how would then we change our negative into a positive mindset or be in the practice of noticing it and recognizing it and you know and how do we go about that sure well i mean one thing is to not try and resist it um i mean okay. the, the what there's a couple of things that we we can't control we can't control that there is a stream of thought yeah. and we can't entirely control what shows up in that stream of thought right i mean you can control it temporarily yeah. but you, you you could not control 24 hours a day what shows up in the stream of thought so you kind of have to surrender Welcome to the podcast for Secret Women's Business. It's a podcast for women, about women, and it's a place where curiosity meets answers. And I'm super excited today for our next guest all the way from over the water from the UK, Stephen Woolston. Uh, Stephen is a coach and trainer and teaches professional people that they can be happy and successful at the same time. And I think we've all experienced you can't have your cake and eat it too, or you can't have it all well Stephen helps people do just that every day and today he's going to teach us how to conquer your critical inner voice why negative self-talk is unhealthy and give you step-by-step -step tips on how to make that change so welcome Stephen thank you so much for being generous with your time today yeah you're welcome it's good to be here yeah it's great to have you and I'm gonna pick your uh, brain clean in a minute <laughs> but first I just sure audience to understand why they should listen to you um, very carefully today because um, there's going to be so many uh, nuggets of gold and here's why. Um, Stephen has been coach and trainer since 2006 but um, also is not only an advanced master practitioner um, of NLP and we'll explain what that means in a moment. He's also a trainer of NLP. So that means we have access to someone that really knows how the mind works and how to make changes super fast. Um, and I can't wait to get into that. But just quickly before we dive in, I wanna do some housekeeping. For those who are listening on the podcast, um, if you like to see um, people's hands flapping around, which mine do, um, while they're talking, you can watch this episode on YouTube. Um, if you're watching on YouTube and my hand flapping is um, distracting, you can jump over to podcast and listen to us there. And I've added the links in below. Um, I've got a list of questions written down and I don't want to forget. So I'm just thinking, oh, where do we start? Um, maybe we start from the start. If you can tell me about your NLP journey, what, uh, where did it all start and how did you get here today? Sure. Uh, well, it started for me um, when I was uh, working as a professional project manager um, and I was working on a particularly difficult program. And I was going through a period of time where I was finding things a little stressful uh, and I found myself complaining a lot uh, about what was happening. And a friend of mine actually recommended that um, I look into neuro-linguistic programming uh, as, essentially as a way of uh, dealing with my, uh, with my own anxiety at the time. Uh, and for me to have a um, slightly easier time of what I was going through. So I did. I, I uh, started buying the books. I started going on courses. Uh, and I really took to it. I, I, I kind of discovered really that um, it, it was something that I took to quite nicely. I found that it was very useful for me. And I really didn't start with the intention of uh, being a coach. But uh, what started to happen, though, is that 
people would start to come and ask me and say, can I spend some time with you? Because, uh, you know, I, I hear you're a good person to talk to. And, and I kind of started coaching in that way. Uh, and I just kept going further and further with it. I, I started to realize that actually a lot of the books that you can buy have got mistakes in them. And I kind of also began to realize that a lot of the standard practitioner and master practitioner courses, even the long ones, uh, were missing a lot of material. So I started to seek out uh, some of the trainers who work very closely with developers. So people like Gabe Guerrero, people like Eric Robbie, um, and uh, learn from those people who, who were prepared to teach the stuff yeah. that wasn't in a lot of the courses. Um, and that's pretty much how I got to where I am today. Yeah. I remember when I started um, uh, hypnotherapy and I think they gave you the book, what is it? Uh, My Voice Will Go With You, I think, from Milton Erickson. And I remember I could not put that down and I did the same thing. I was kind of, I was like, yes, this is it for me. And I just got every book that I could, read everything I could, watched every video I could. So, yeah, can, once you kind of figure out, well, not figure out, but once something hits you, yeah, you can't stop. Um, so for the folks at home, I just want to let them know if you can explain what is NLP. Sure. Well, it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. Uh, it's a field that's been around since the early 1970s. Uh, and it's essentially a study of the, the, the interactions, if you like, between language, subjective experience, which is you know, how we model the world in our heads, uh, and the resultant behavior that we have in the world. Uh, it started out as an exercise in modeling language and behavior. So it modeled uh, the therapeutic work of people like uh, Fritz Perls and Virginia Satir, also more modeled the hypnotherapeutic work of Milton Erickson. Uh, and you know, built on those models, um, it built on, on not just the language part of, of learning, uh, but how we think, how we use our internal voice, how we use our uh, real auditory kinesthetic resources, encoded a number of um, patterns and techniques that you know, people find useful today. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And I, um, I know myself when I use it in therapy, it's just super fast. You know, changes can happen instantly. I mean, it can with hypnotherapy as well, but... Um, I think with NLP, um, you know, you don't have that big long um, induction and trance as you do with hypnosis. And, you know, there's a place for both. But um, I just, uh, it, it sometimes it's disbelieving how quickly someone can change. Mm. Um, well, the thing on the that is that, is that um, yeah, if you think about it, change, at the point that change happens, it never happens slowly. What takes the time is getting to the point where the change can happen. Yeah. You know, the, the way I often like to put it to people is you, you, you can't learn. If we, if, we, if we look at some of the problem behaviors that people learn, you can't learn to have a phobia slowly. You yeah. Know, that only ever happens quickly. Uh, and, you know, when, when, when we're talking about essentially re-imprinting uh, how we work internally, at the, at the point that change happens, it's always quick. Yeah. The thing that takes time is, is lining up all the dominoes so that when you flick the first one, all the other ones fall down. Yeah. And I noticed that when, you know, when, especially in the weight loss program that I have, it goes for 12 weeks and, um, you know, some people in that first week, bang, 
they've made that change and they're off and running. And then other people's, it, it's like up until the 12 weeks. And then some people, it kind of might kick in months later. Um, so mm. it all depends, I guess, on the person and when they're ready or, you know, uh, you know, maybe they're ready to let go that first domino and then mm. it all just happens so fast and then it's done. It's changed. They're changed. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Um, so we want to talk about negative self-talk today and I just want to, in your terms, define what, define what we mean when we say negative self-talk. So what would you class as negative self-talk? Sure. Well, I mean, self-talk itself, whether it's positive or negative, is, is one of the ways that we think. Um, and it's one of the, 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 the most dominant ways that we think. I mean, we're also able to think in abstract terms with, with, with uh, visual pictures, with, with uh, non-linguistic sounds and all those kinds of things. But one of the, the, the main ways that we think is through self-talk. And um, there are a number of levels to self-talk. I mean, again, this, this is one of the things I was pointing at earlier that, that doesn't commonly get taught in LP, although it is there, is the levels of internal dialogue, which go uh, include things like reciting, debating and formulating. And each one of those uh, has got its own particular uh, thinking properties. Now, when I think about negative self-talk, I'm talking about using that thinking style uh, in, a, in a way that moves us towards a negative state or moves us towards uh, low belief, low self-esteem, things like that. So when I, I think about so, uh, when I think about negative self-talk, it's when we're using that inner voice to say to ourselves things like, um, this isn't going to work, uh, this is rubbish, you're worthless, you're a fraud, um, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve this. This is the kind of thing that I mean by negative self-talk. It moves you towards um, a low state of mind, it moves you towards negative feelings. And, you know, I mean, as you work in hypnosis yourself, you, you know, there is a self-hypnotic power to the internal dialogue yeah. uh, to the extent that, that, you know, when we start to believe the things that we tell ourselves, we start to make life choices from low self-esteem. We, we start to make life choices from the place of, I'm not good enough, this isn't going to work, and such like. Um, you, and it's also one of the ways that we can really catastrophize things. Um, you know, it, it might start off as, as pictures and feelings about what can go wrong, but we add the commentary to it and we start thinking through, if this happens, then that will happen, and, and the that being some very catastrophized thing. So that's what I think about when I think about negative self-talk. Yeah, and do you think when, you know, somebody's in that kind of, that negative self-talk of um or being that you know like that critical inner voice and it can be even around um you know i'm never going to lose weight or i'm fat or um you know really focusing on you know when you get dressed in the morning really focusing on oh look at my stomach you know that that sometimes you you're aware of that critical talk and other times you know you'll probably do it so fast you don't notice and so do you think that, you know, when we're not being aware of that critical self-talk or not paying attention, that, you know, we are um, teaching ourselves to stay there, to stay stuck? Do you think that the self-talk helps us remain stuck in um, whatever it is that we're challenged with? I think it can do uh, because, 
essentially that kind of self-talk is talking us out of what we would really love to do. Um, you know, it's talking us out of attempting the changes that, that we want to attempt. You know, I mean, if, if you enter into a program of, of for example, weight loss, um, with the recurring self-talk and the recurring belief that this is not going to work, you know, it, it's going to be really difficult to commit to it. And the first hurdle you get, it's like, well, I knew it was never going to work. Yeah. yeah. And we give up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it's like, I think there's statistics that within the first four days, a lot of people do give up on whatever it is they start. And I think that this critical um, self-talk has a, a lot to do with that because like you said, you know, life is there. And so, you know, a little bump might come along and, um, you know, people go, oh, well, you know, there's my sign that this one's not going to work either. So when, when, um, Self-talk's not all bad, are they? You know, um, after all, they're just thoughts. So how can thoughts be so detrimental to us at times? Uh, and I think the answer to that is in the hypnotic effect of thoughts. Um, I mean, because you're right, you know, they are just thoughts. You know, they're not real. You can't even grasp them. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're just words. But... Um, and, you know, if you have the presence of mind to be able to recognize that they're just thoughts, then you can become like the neutral observer of your own thoughts. And a number of fields which I've studied are essentially about learning to be the neutral observer of your own thoughts rather than to engage with them and dance with them, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, and if you have that, that presence of mind, then you can let these thoughts come and go and not be essentially bothered by them and one of the ways that um that people are taught to become an independent observer of their thinking is whatever thought they've just had is to rethink that thought with the commentary i've just noticed that i've had the thought that and whatever it was yeah uh, and it's a way to disassociate from that thought it's a way to be a, a neutral observer but the thing is, we're not always, we don't always have that presence of mind yeah. to be that neutral observer. Uh, we listen to that voice like it matters, like it's telling the truth, and we dance with those thoughts, and we have the feeling that comes from engaging with those thoughts. Uh, and one of the paradoxical things is that it's easy to have that presence of mind when you're in a good state. Yeah. It's not so easy to have that presence of mind when you're in a negative state. So when you're actually feeling the negative feelings from self-talk, that's when you're least equipped yeah. to have the presence of mind to remember that they're just thoughts. Yeah, and, and to actually, some, you know, when you're in that negativeness, um, and the thoughts can create those negative feelings even deeper at times too. So, you know, you might not be feeling very good or very happy and then you have those negative thoughts which take you down the rabbit hole of feeling worse. And like you said, that, that they're the hardest times to, you know, kind of talk yourself out of it or uh, motivate yourself, especially I've got a lot of clients that are um, perimenopausal, menopausal. So, you know, that all kind of feeling of down as the hormones... Um, you know, take a um, take a hike, so to speak. 
um, you know, that's when they find that hard. So I, this is why I wanted to get you on as well, because the negative self-talk, you know, we might just think they are words, but they can be very powerful. And um, I really wanted the audience to understand that and, you know, and how to get past it. So, you know, like I think we talked it like my next question was how to um, negative thoughts have um, an effect on my unconscious or maybe we didn't kind of go in there um, you know maybe around the hypnotic but do you have anything more to add there like is there another level of effect that it has on my un unconscious these um, critical words or this um, negative self-talk sure well I mean as you know yourself our unconscious mind is always learning uh, a map of the world let's put it like that yeah um, and so when we're engaging in self-talk that verbal thinking uh, is also creating images it's also creating uh, non-verbal auditory it's creating an internal world it's creating an inner experience and the way one of my favorite trainers puts it, a guy called Gabe Guerrero is it's like we have a mental simulator so it's like simultaneously we're having an experience of the world as it is now and we're simulating our own thinking maybe that's thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow or thinking about what happened last week but there's some there's some simulation going on in parallel with our experience of the real world and we respond to that those mental simulations yeah um, you know as, as we would if they were happening in the world perhaps not as strongly but we respond to them but also these mental simulations are how we're continuously learning and adapting our model of the world and so uh, if we're simulating a lot of negative stuff uh, then you know it starts to become part of the model of the world that guides us so if we start to believe that we're not worthy or we start to believe that something's not going to work then our mental simulation is going to work over time on you know, working out how it can be like that and it becomes part of our model of the world yeah and it like listening to you talk about that it just makes me think that it's going to make it harder for you to achieve what you want to achieve when you've got that going on um you know like if you want to undo that or you want change but you're constantly you know creating this map in your mind you know like if you don't do anything about that first i guess you you're going to keep um yourself in that state um because you're constantly keeping yourself there with those thoughts so on that how can we then shift our mind so if we we've got this critical voice and a negative self-talk you know what would you suggest that we do to stop that from going on? I mean, I, I guess we're always going, to, always going to have thoughts, but what would you say, you know, to the audience out there, how would then we change our negative into a positive mindset or be in the practice of noticing it and recognizing it and, you know, and how do we go about that? Sure. Well, I mean, one thing is to not try and resist it. Um, I mean, okay. the, the what, there's a couple of things that we we can't control we can't control that there is a stream of thought yeah. and we can't entirely control what shows up in that stream of thought right i mean you can control it temporarily yeah. but you, you you could not control 24 hours a day what shows up in the stream of thought so you kind of have to surrender 
to the fact that you're not controlling that part of it. Um, so it's not about fighting it. I mean, some people say to me, you know, how do I stop thinking about this? And the, the slightly ironic and paradoxical answer is by stopping trying to stop thinking about this. <laughs> because you, know, you can imagine thoughts as, as, as like passengers on boats going down a river. You know, and, unless you stop them and challenge them, they'll fly by. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is to not try and arrest the stream of thought because you'll find that too overwhelming. Uh, one way that we can um, intervene in negative self-talk uh, self is to practice the habit of rethinking it. This is the thing I said a moment ago, of rethinking it uh, with, I've noticed I've just had the thought that. Yeah. Um, because that has a, a disassociating effect. That takes us out of the thought and puts us in the observer's position relative to that thought. thought. Uh, and that allows us to be more neutral around the thought. It, it allows us to see that the thought is there and not dance with it. Uh, and so, you know, like a little passenger in a speedboat, it can fly by and we don't have to worry too much about it. That's one thing we can do. Uh, the other thing is to consciously practice uh, thinking the positive opposites or to reframe. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I mean, a lot of our, in fact, most of our thinking is unconscious or semi-conscious. In other words, we're not especially choosing what we're thinking. It's kind of just showing up. Yeah. Right. Um, but if we notice that we're, we're having some negative self-talk, like, for example, um, I'm rubbish at this then you can consciously intervene and, and also have the thought to balance it. Um, but, I, but then again, I might be better at this than I realize. Uh, we can reframe the thought. So again, if, if the example thought is, I'm rubbish, I'm rubbish can easily be reframed into, but I'm learning. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, and it can be reframed into, uh, well, even Einstein had to start somewhere. You know, so there are, there are ways to reframe our thoughts. There are ways to uh, consciously inject some balance to our negative thoughts. But most of all, I, I just find that, that if you learn to become the neutral observer of your own thinking and to become more uh, present of mind that it is just thoughts, then that itself will tend to move you to a neutral position. And I find that from neutral, we tend to start leaning towards the positive. Yeah, that makes sense. There is one particular technique that I think is worth uh, bringing up. And that is that internal voice has um, a number of properties. It has a location. So if you think about your internal voice, everybody will imagine this slightly differently, yeah. right? But, but that voice will appear to be coming somewhere in your, in your space, in your yeah. psychogeography, if you like. Yeah. So you might, you might be hearing the voice here, you might be hearing the voice here. It might seem to be coming from back here. It's going to have a location. It's going to have a rhythm. It's going to have um, a particular voice tone. Ooh. Now, another way that we can um, learn to, to uh, manipulate that internal voice so that we don't get the negative feelings that come from it is to change those properties so if the location of the voice is here is to consciously move it someplace else 
Uh, we can make it louder, we can make it quieter, uh, we can make it softer, we can make it harsher. But one of the most effective ways is to make it ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned in the notes to you, you know, it, it, you, you cannot get a bad feeling from a, a, a negative voice that is in Daffy Duck's voice yeah. or, <laughs> or Elmer Fudd's voice. Yeah. Um, so this is, a, this is another thing that I often encourage people to play with. It's not necessarily that I expect people to go around converting every thought that they have into Elmer Fudd's voice. Um, but the, the very fact of experiencing it and practicing and knowing what you're capable of generally gives people more power over their response to their internal dialogue. Yeah. So if someone's stuck and, you know, they're trying to do this themselves, but then they can't, what resources are available? Where would they go to kind of get some help with, um, you know, being aware of the negative uh, self-talk and, you know, trying to reframe it? Sure. Well, I mean, there are plenty of resources out there. I mean, uh, YouTube itself is loaded with, with videos and speakers uh, who are talking about subjects like overthinking, negative thinking, specifically internal dialogue uh, and negative self-talk. Uh, so that's one place to go. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got videos on it. I'm sure you've got videos on it too. There are tons of videos on the internet. So you can go there and get tips. You can go there and get practical tips. Uh, there are plenty of books out there. Uh, I mean, mindfulness is a very popular thing uh, right now. Um, and in fact, mindfulness is one of those um, practices that you know, teaches us to be present here and now rather than off in the other time and space that our, our internal dialogue is talking about. Yeah. So there are plenty of books out there. Um, and of course, there are facilitators, you know, uh, like yourself, like me, coaches, hypnotherapists, who can support people as well. Yeah. And there's a really good, you've got a really good video on self-talk. I can't think of the topic. I think I've written it down somewhere. So I'll put a link below so the audience can go and watch that as well. Um, and I think that's why I wanted you to come on and talk as I watched a video and I'm like, oh, I have to get him on the channel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So um, what is the most common or hardest challenges you found with women? Um, what they face trying to make this change? Yeah. Um, it's actually related to something I mentioned a, a while ago and, and that is that Whilst there are all these fabulous uh, little interventions that we can do, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to do them at the time that you need them because you're in that, that low state of mind. So I find that that's one of the challenges that, that, that when people need this stuff it is, is, I mean, the way I think about it is that when we're coming from um, a good state of mind, we tend to experience clarity. You know, we, we can see clearly, we can think clearly. When we're in these low states of mind that we might get into when we've been uh, hitting ourselves with lots of negative self-talk, it's like everything is fogged up. You know, it, it, it's like the windscreen is iced over, there's fog everywhere, and you, know, and, and, and you just can't think your own thoughts clearly enough. And, and so I think that one of the main challenges is, is that that the um, is that when we need this these techniques is often when we're least equipped to believe in them because yeah. of that state of mind. So you kind of have to um, you kind of 
have to either be able to interject in your own feelings enough that you get some of that clarity mm. or to do what is actually seems like the opposite of that which is to uh let it clear uh you know i mean th there's a metaphor that jamie smart likes to use in his book clarity i don't know if he was the originator of this metaphor it's just that that's where i first noticed it which is that you can't shake a snow globe clear yeah right um i like that you know, the, the, the way the way to make a snow globe clear is to put it down and leave it yeah. and sometimes that's how it is with our thinking uh you know rather than try and shake ourselves clear um it, it is to actually just resign from whatever we were doing for a moment uh yeah. and let it clear and then once we've got that clarity then we can start to think anew yeah and i think women do that don't they and they kind of don't uh let the dust settle or i like the snow globe um because that makes a lot of sense and i think with women we do talk to our friends and we will um, kind of talk it through, which may be shaking the uh, snow globe, which is fine, um, but we also don't give ourselves that time. You know, uh, we put ourselves last. So the housework gets done first and the kids get sorted and the husband and the house and work and we put ourselves last. So I guess that kind of metaphor says to me is to stop in that moment and, you know, just let it be. I really like that. Yeah, it, it, it's the therapeutic um, power of silence. Uh, I mean, the, the, you know, one of the things I, I would actually like to also say about uh, self-talk is that sometimes negative self-talk isn't, even negative self-talk isn't always bad. Sometimes negative self-talk is just a function in a larger motivation strategy. Um, you know, if you think about an elite sports person, like for example, Serena Williams, you know, probably the greatest female tennis player there's ever been in the history of the planet. Um, and when she's playing, uh, you know, if things are not going well for her, she, you know, she has a hell of a, a, a negative uh, self-talk storm, and you can see that happening out. But you see, in, in her case, I don't think that's a case of she's programming herself to fail. I think that's her, um, I think that's her motivating herself uh, you to 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 restart so sometimes it's worth recognizing that sometimes negative self-talk is just a function in a larger motivation strategy yeah um but yeah when, when it is simply getting you down sometimes the best thing to do is just to say screw it and um and just be quiet for a while yeah silence itself has, has incredible therapeutic properties and yeah. very few of us really experience it yeah because most of us will try and do recreation in front of the television or uh having stimulants like coffee and sugar um i often find i often do this as an experiment with, with people that i work with is to sit in complete silence, switch the lights out, sit in a dark room in complete silence, no phone, no television, no radio, nothing. Just sit in silence. And every single time we do that, one minute feels like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> but what also happens in that one minute, see it doesn't take long, what also happens in that one minute is for the first half of that minute, all the noise is going on. Mm. But as we get into the second half of that minute, it starts to quieten down. 
you know, especially if you're in the kind of trance state where you're not engaging with your thoughts. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's particularly hard to enter into this trance state. It's the kind of trance state you would go into if you just stared at a candle. Yeah. It's the kind of trance state that you would naturally enter into if you just sat in a chair and just relaxed all the muscles around your face. Yeah. Um, and you, I often find that, that those, those inner voices do start to quieten down. Yeah. So, you know, a minute of silence can be incredibly therapeutic. It's like they all, the, all the voices or the thoughts all yell at you all at once and then they start to kind of dwindle off after a little bit. And I think I really like that analogy with the snow globe because you can, like for those who are listening at home, imagine shaking it in that moment which is going to kind of disconnect you and imagine putting it down and imagine watching all the flakes settle and i mean i guess that's all the time that you're going to need to um you know actually uh, uh calm down and feel calm in that moment so i really love that i'm gonna i'm gonna use that one i'm gonna steal that off cool. you <laughs> I'm going to use it in my start hip- telling snow globes now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use it in hypno. I, I love metaphors in hypno. Um, so, what would be your one message that you would like to pass on um, about how we talk to ourselves? Um, be compassionate to yourself, and don't believe everything you say to yourself. <laughs> it's a good cool one. Oh, thank you so much for giving us your time today, and we'd love to have you back in the future if you've got the time. Um, so comment below if you want to see Stephen again or if you have any questions for him, um, I can pass them on and then pass them back to you, um, the answers back to you. So um, if you want to check out what Stephen does, connect with him um, personally. He is on www.stephenw.co.uk. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-W.co.uk. Um Also, the links will be below. There's also um, links below for his YouTube, um, and that's Stephen um, W. Coach and Trainer. Um, There's videos on there like uh, Afraid of Rejection, um, Why Forced Positivity is Bad, How to Love Yourself. Um, There's so many more. I really think that you'll get a lot out of, so go check him out. Um, And I've just got some off-topic questions that I want to ask at the end of each of my uh, interviews, just for a bit of a laugh. And sometimes it can be a bit heavier what we're talking about. So um, I've got three random questions. Are you game to play? I'm game to play. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favourite swear word? It's the F word. Um, (laughs) I, I overuse it terribly. I'm amazed that I had the self-discipline to not use it tonight at some point or another. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what was the other one? Oh, um, if you could have one super uh, superpower, what would it be? It would be the ability to switch on any superpower. Yeah, that's quite... Yeah, I'm a meta-thinker. You know, uh, Bateson's logical levels, I'm always going one up. Yeah, my superpower would be able to to switch on any superpower. (laughs) That's a good one. That's like having the um, endless uh, um, wishes from the genie lamp, isn't it? Exactly. (laughs) Um, If you were any type of food, what type of food would you be? I would be miracle chocolate. The most gorgeous chocolate in the world and totally healthy. I think you'd be the most popular uh, person on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Or a millionaire from it. 
So thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Um, all the links mentioned below, um, uh, mentioned in this episode rather, are linked below. Um, thanks for everyone for listening and supporting the channel. Um, like, subscribe, you know the drill. Um, so everyone go and be awesome and I will. we will talk to you next time. Thank Thanks, you, Stephen. <laughs>